and welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. Happy New Year! It's been more than a month since we released the last episode and this is episode number 52. And I will explain you why. Well, uh, first of all, I was on vacations in uh, Texas visiting my family for the holidays. But as well, I had a little bit of technical difficulties because the computer that we used to record everything and edit everything, well, it died. So we had a last episode of the year, of course, like most of the content creators outside out there. We did a 2019 top five, top five solo, top five cooperative, top five competitive, and a lot of surprises. Of course, we record. I record that episode with my friend Caleb and Jonathan before the year ended of 2019. This episode was recorded, or what you're going to hear, it was recorded about... December, between December 15 and December 20, so you will hear me towards the end of the recording, you know, wishing you Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and all those stuff, which I still do, well, Merry Christmas is already gone, but I, I wish you a very nice uh, and fun 2020, full of games, full of surprises, full of Kickstarters, full of conventions and all the stuff, but I wanted to tell you why it was all that, you know, break of a little bit more than a month and why we are releasing this episode until now, which at the time of this recording is January 18. I got another computer, which is the one that I will be using to record. And so, yeah, now here's for you the episode, the top five of 2019. And now, since, you know, this week, we're going to start again with our weekly episode, uh, one episode per week dedicated for a solo board game and also for our competitive games in the solo uh, with friends episode. So here is for you, the 2019. I'm sorry once again for the break. I hope all of you an amazing 2020. Please reach out to me through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoloBG Podcast. And also you can uh, send me an email at SoloBGPodcast at gmail.com. Here is for you, 2019, in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Okay, hello my friends. So now we are here on episode number 52, like I mentioned before and it's one of the most anticipated episodes of the year. And I know this because actually the one that we did the last year of 2018, it was one of the most listeners, listener of all time. So now I'm here with my friend Caleb, King of Magicians, and Jonathan Sarki. How are you, my friends? Hello. How are you doing? Hey, don't talk at the same time because then you, you mess up everything. But anyway, <laughs> Caleb, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. And Jonathan? I'm pretty well. Ready for Christmas shopping and all this stuff and end of the year and play a lot of games that was christmas shopping you already went for christmas shopping huh did you got nice gifts um hopefully bunch of games or not games no um, no games oh, that's a, that's already the first mistake what about you they, they you... weren't they, they weren't gifts for you guys so oh okay well then then you did a good job then okay, what about you Kelly? yeah i got a lot of christmas shopping for the kids done today so Looking forward to the holiday season, the uh, the fun part, not the uh, preparing part. Yeah, I know that's the, that's the part that sucks. Now, what about board games? You got a lot of board games? 
Um, yeah, my daughter's going to be getting three new board games uh, this oh. year. She's seven, so she's turning into quite the little board gamer. Does she like to do cooperative or competitive? Uh, she can do both. She can hold her own. Well, good thing, because in that way, if uh, you know, you can share with her the list. I don't know if it's going to be too complex for her, you know, once you you uh, mentioned your games later on. But in that way, you know, she can get start to get in the immersive area of the board games. And by the way, my friends, listeners, if you haven't bought any game for Christmas, well, go back and listen to episode 51, because over there I give you three advices of perfect board games that you can give this year as a Christmas gift. So now we go with tonight's episode. I already talked to you about it on the introduction, and we're going to start with our competitive list of our top five competitive games and also with our top five or cooperative games. Now, usually, as you know, my friends, um, the co cooperative games, you're able to play it solo. Now, there could be some exceptions there uh, on there, but it's mainly like that. So we divide the list in two categories, competitive and cooperative. Also, we have our shame list. Jonathan has his own shame list, uh, Caleb as well, and I have my shame list as well, and also some honor mentions. So, but with that being said, let's jump into what we want to hear tonight and we want to talk about it tonight, which is our top five cooperative and competitive games. And the way that we're going to do it is each of us is going to mention our number five going from, I guess, um, you know, the worst of the best <laughs> to the best, I will say. Um, so we're going to mention number five for cooperative, number five competitive and so forth. And if we have, you know, some overlap, well, we will talk about it as well. So Jonathan, my friend, men of the microphone, uh, let's start with your, num with your number five cooperative game and your number five competitive game. Okay, um, so my number five competitive game, I have Dinosaur Island. Um, actually, this was probably the first Kickstarter I got this year. So it has Dinosaur Island and the um, uh, the follow-up, the um, um, Won't the Water Dinosaurs, which we haven't played yet, but um, I really like it. I think it really thematically works well. I like that there's different lengths, so you can play a short, medium, or long game, depending on what you want to do. And some of that gives you more opportunities to put more dinosaurs in your park, to build more attractions, to um, build up more abilities. Uh, but you can also play a short game um, if you want something quick, but still get that Jurassic Park feeling to it. Um, I think it's definitely one that um, would be higher on my list, but I think even with the short game, it still can take quite a little bit of time. Um, but I think, you know, if you have repeat plays, it'll go quicker um, and it works out more smoothly. One thing I do like about this game is it is divided into four phases and each one um, is differentiated pretty well. So even if you pull out the game a couple of times a year, you can get back into it pretty quickly and it makes sense how to play. Um, so that's my number five competitive. Which actually is, is as of, of course, it's uh, worth mentioning that, uh, you know, that game was one of the big success of this year of Kickstarter. It was probably one of the most anticipated games uh, of this year of Kickstarter. And I don't know if, if it's, this is true, but I feel like after that game, a lot of games came live in Kickstarter with the same theme. Different mechanics, different, you know, different types of games sharing the same theme, which is dinosaurs as well. So anyway, that was your number five. What about the cooperative one? Uh, my number five uh, cooperative is the DC Rebirth. So it's an expansion, um, a standalone expansion to the DC Deck Builder game. Um, but unlike some of the other ones where you get the, um, they do have solo variants or 
um, the crisis expansions that can make kind of a solo story. This one is um, a strictly competitive or sorry, strictly cooperative story that feels more of like a campaign and an ongoing story. And that one you can play solo or cooperative, um, but you um, have eight different scenarios in the box and each scenario is in a, a secret envelope that you only open um, when you do that scenario. So there is some hidden knowledge and some secrets that you get along the way, which is pretty cool. Um, it introduces some new villains, some new heroes and things that you don't know when you start. Um, but you're basically stopping villains and supervillains from moving around the cities and destroying um, different places from the DC universe. So it definitely feels more like a board game with the deck builder, um, which I really like. And it feels more immersive in the DC universe. Um, and this one, I actually prefer um, so far to play solo. I think it can take a little bit long to play cooperative, um, but it might be good like at a two-player maximum if you're not playing solo. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I will talk a little bit more about the game in just a few. But now let's jump with my friend Caleb. Caleb, I want to hear your number five competitive and your number five cooperative. Um, my number five competitive game is um, sort of a small game, even in the title, uh, Tiny Towns. Okay. Uh, it's I gotta say it's a game that I really like, um, but the thing I like the most about it is I've been able to get it to the table a whole lot this year. So I played it with pretty much every game group I have. Uh, I played it with non-gamers. Uh, if you if you go through and choose the scoring cards that are the easiest to understand, uh, you know you can this can be someone's first board game and uh, it, it'll be a little intense for them because the scoring, but uh, the gameplay mechanisms are uh, extremely straightforward and uh, a lot of fun. And if you warn people ahead of time that you're not going to do well in your first game, and they're good with that. Uh, this is a game you know, that people have really enjoyed. And it's also one of the few games in my collection where after we're done playing, people immediately want to play again because um, it's quick enough and short enough. And you just have that feeling at the end when you see your town that, oh, I could have done better. Next time, next time I'll do better, and, and you want to play it again, which I think is high praise for a board game. Yeah, actually, that game, I played with you, my friend, and I played also with another group of friends. And it's a game that, honestly, the only reason why it's not in my collection is because, you know, my, my friends had the game. So it's a game that it's, uh, you know, I, I think it has a solo mode. I'm not sure. But I feel like that game is more enjoyable as a competitive game. And it's super fun, very easy. And I totally agree with you that this game should be at least on your list for this year. What about your uh, five cooperative? Uh, number five cooperative game is actually a, a solo only game. This is okay. a game that Renegade brought out at Origins. Uh, which I attended for the first time this past uh, June, I believe. Uh, it's called Proving Grounds, and it's a solo game designed by uh, Clang Clinko. So it's sort of like Fuse, if you played games like that, or Pandemic Rapid Response, where you're rolling dice and you're sort of running against the clock. Um, what I really like about it is they do a great job of setting the theme. So you have uh, a little book that comes in the box that has a illustrated book that you read through a story, and it's uh, fairly lengthy lengthy story it's a good one sort of gets you in the zone of what's happening uh, thematically and then you play the game and it just gives the game a lot more weight because you feel like you're sort of in the story uh, and playing along and it's a modular game so there's lots of difficulty levels and little modules you can add or take away that give you uh, different challenges to face so it's a very simple game um, but you know my wife doesn't play solo games at all and I showed it to her and she thought she'd give it a try and uh, she played two or three games of it herself so Again, it's a game, easy game to get out to the table and uh, one that's unique and a lot of fun, uh, proving well, grounds. Well, if your wife, Crystal, is going to start to play uh, solo games, you better recommend her a very nice 
solo uh, games podcast, which is called Solo BG Podcast. So go That's ahead. Right. And- <laughs> <laughs> that now. Also, you know, what you mentioned about Proving Grounds, it's great because I feel like Renegade Games is now starting to implement that in other games. At least I saw it like that in Terror Below. Um, you know, when you have the, bo- the book or the little comic that is tell- telling you what's going on in the game. And once you finish reading that, then you can play the game. It has it makes more sense. Uh, so I hope they keep doing that with more games because I actually enjoy it as well. Now, going to my list of top five uh, cooperative, let's start with the cooperative now. Uh, is the same that you, Jonathan, DC, uh, uh, this is the building the Rebirth uh, standalone expansion. Now, the only thing that I will add is that this game, even if I like it and I love it, you know, amazing listeners and friends that uh, DC is probably my top, you know, theme of all of everything and i feel like this game is so good because you was you mentioned Jonathan, the campaign mode that it adds the different mechanics that you're traveling through locations trying to stop the villains and so forth uh but also i feel like this game for some reason and that's a that's a personal feeling i feel like if you don't like dc at all or you don't know anything about dc at all which that would be uh very strange um it's a game that you probably will not enjoy versus for example other games that we're going to talk about in a little bit um even if you don't like the theme there are still very good games that you won't enjoy. I don't know. It gives me that feeling, the DC building, that you need to really uh, like the theme in order to jump in and, and enjoy it. But I, that would be my number five. I think it's fantastic. And I cannot wait for more expansions on 2020 to come up. It's actually going to be on my 10 by 10 challenge that I will do this year. So I'm looking forward to play more expansions, more games. And I'm looking forward to get the expensive mat as well. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just, you know, I like the game and I want to get the mat in that way it can hype up the, the table. That was my number five for cooperative games. Uh, and as well, I rather play it solo. I, I feel like solo is great, probably two players, uh, but solo is the way to go for me on that. Now, my competitive number five is one that surprisingly, uh, my friend Caleb here, he didn't enjoy as much. And putting, putting this word when you compare it to his predecessor, and I'm talking about Rivers of Midgar. Rivers of Midgar was a huge, huge uh, uh, successful Kickstarter campaign and also what, what was one of the most anticipated games on Gen Con. I remember our, our adventure, my friends, like waiting on the first to be the first on the line and run. You were running, Caleb, for uh, grabbing that game on the Gray Fox uh, uh, booth. But uh, once we play it and once you compare it to Champions, which I don't have that experience in Champions like you do, uh, you feel like he wasn't like that great as you were. You were, you were thinking, right? But for me, I really like I really like the mechanics. I really like that we're following the same actions across the board. It's basically like the second part of the continuation. That's how they call it from Grey, Grey Fox game of Champions of Midgard. It's kind of the same theme. So the only difference is that instead of rolling dice when you're going to fight, you, um, you, you already have those dice on your boat, uh, your Vikings boat, I guess, on your Weaver's boat. And every time that a player does an action, we all follow the same action, but we can get a bonus or we cannot. And in the future, we're going to have an episode about this uh, game also with champions. So that will be of my number five competitive game, Rivers of Midgar. And Caleb, what do you think about my number five since I mentioned you here right now? Well, that's one of my biggest disappointments of the year. I, I did give it... Oh, hold on, hold on. It's, is, is it going to be on your shame list? Because then we save it. Yeah, it's going to be on the shame list. So okay, so then, then we, we save your thoughts for, for that part. Okay, so that was my number five, Rivers of Midgar. Now... We're going to go back to you, Caleb, again, with your number four, uh, cooperative and competitive. So uh, if we're doing com- uh, number four, cooperative would be a game I got at Gen Con, Con called Set a Watch. And uh, this okay. is one that sort of I saw videos right before Gen Con um, and got enamored with the idea of it. Uh, it 
comes uh, in a little box and use the box actually as part of the game board. So it sort of unfolds. Uh, it's a card game, cooperative, uh, although I, I play it completely solo. And uh, it's it's got a lot of the same feeling I get when I play Space Hulk Death Angel in the fact that you're sort of managing multiple powers across multiple playable characters. So you have four different characters and you play through eight rounds and each round you choose one of those characters to stay at the camp and tend to the fire and they get to have, uh, you know, add to the uh, festivities by helping the team prepare for the fight that's about to come. And yeah. uh, the, the theme is really cool because the bigger the fire is, the further out you can see and uh, you can sort of anticipate what monsters are going to come your way gives you uh, more opportunity to plan. Um, but on the other hand, sometimes you don't want to waste your resources on the fire and you want to push your luck a little bit and just take the monsters as they come at you. Um, and basically it's like one of these games where you roll your dice before you start. So everyone has different kinds of dice. Some people are rolling D6s, some people are rolling D8s. And uh, it's very simple mechanisms. So when the cards come up, if it says this monster you know, needs a seven to kill, you can combine dice or spend one dice as long as you add up to uh, seven or more, but then there's lots of special abilities for the monsters and for your team. So uh, the decision space is pretty deep um, for the length of time and also the setup and um, the table space and everything. So uh, highly recommended, especially for a solo player set of watch. I, and it's worth mentioning that this game is made by, and it's published by Rock Manor Games, which is one of my favorite uh, publishers, independent publishers. And uh, also that is designed by Joe Walsh. It's a great game. Uh, they, I was provided with a copy on Gen Con, and the episode will be on air very soon. Very soon, so stay tuned. That was said. I watch number four, Mr. Caleb Wiles. Let's go to your number four as well for competitive, Mr. Caleb. So this is another game I picked up at Origins, along with Proving Grounds, which you've already mentioned. Uh, this is one that I had heard good things from Tom Vassell. He had given a, a good review of it. So it was sort of on my radar, but nothing that I was like totally seeking out. Uh, but mm -hmm. Origins is a lot more chill environment than Gen Con. So, you know, you get a chance to play more games and uh, the demos can last longer. So, you know, it was towards the end of the convention. My wife and I sat down, just sort of curious how this game would play. Uh, and the guy who explained it was really clear. Uh, the game was fairly cheap, even at retail price. Uh, and we played the whole game uh, right there at the demo table and just fell in love with it. And it may be one of my most played games of this year because I played it, and I played it, uh, Derek, with you. I think I played it with Jonathan uh, separately. I think we all played it together. I played it with a lot of people. And uh, it's a worker placement game, and you have these dice of different colors. And uh, what's cool about it is normally in dice games, when you roll the dice, you're hoping to get a six because a six always is better than a five, and you know a five is better than a one, et cetera. Uh, mm -hmm. but what's really cool about this is that every space on the board uh, allows you to use dice differently. So uh, it is good to have high dice, but it's also good to have low dice. And there's uh, dice mitigation systems in the game that allow you to uh, increase the value of your dice or flip a die over. So you really have, a, again, a big decision space uh, in this worker placement style game. And the other cool thing about it is you're racing around the track uh, in two directions. So you can go for... Uh, I think it's gold or fame. I might have those currencies wrong. But uh, basically, you can go the strategy where you try to be balanced across gold and fame. And once they cross, you'll win the game. Um, mm -hmm. Or you could try to go really heavy on gold and uh, take that approach and then maybe just get a little bit of fame. And again, once they cross, you're going to... Uh, you're going to win the game. So everybody's sort of running the same race, but using different strategies. Uh, and you just get that tension at the end as you're watching other players get closer and closer and closer to uh, making those two 
currencies meet. So uh, yeah, my wife likes it a lot, and uh, we've definitely played it a lot this year. So that's uh, Rahas of the Ganges. Yep, that was your number four as well. Now, Jonathan, go for it, my friend. Cooperative and competitive. So my number four cooperative um, is the Pandemic Fall of Rome um, version. Um, I have played the regular Pandemic, but um, for me, this one, I would prefer this one over Standard Pandemic. Um, part of that is my background taking, I don't know, like um, eight years of Latin and some Greek and mythology and all that. So I think the theme um, worked a lot better for me. Um, you know, where you have the roles where it's um, like Roman officials and generals and Vestal virgins. So like having more of that history in there and instead of having the um, outbreaks of diseases and things, you have like the different barbarians and armies that are um, attempting to sack Rome and trying to manage those. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's um, a, a cool take on the pandemic system. Um, everybody still has a unique ability like in the regular game, and I think those fit well with the characters that you have. Um, but I think it was definitely, um, you know, a more enjoyable experience. I like regular Pandemic too, but I think it was definitely a good change um, with that theme on there. So if, if I were to play a Pandemic game, this would be the one I pull out, I think, um, instead of regular Pandemic, unless, um, you know, someone else preferred that theme. But I definitely think, you know, the military... Roman theme is cool, so it would be interesting to see if they try putting more of that spin on it, but maybe a different type, uh, part of history or, or, or mythology or something different like that, but where you're still, as a group, managing these uprisings or outbreaks or whatever it is they use. Okay. Okay, so my number four competitive um, was also a new game um, from Gen Con. This was one where, um, well, you guys know I don't usually have as many that I run for um, like you. But um, <laughs> this was one of them because I knew it was in short supply. So I, I figured getting in line on Thursday would be the best bet. Um, but it, it is Unmatched Battle of Legends. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this is one that we all have played together. Um, and so far they have um, a couple expansions out for it. But basically what it is, you can either play at two players or four players and play on a team of two versus two. Um, and... In the first game, you have four characters of Medusa, Sinbad, uh, King Arthur, and Alice. And then there's a Bruce Lee expansion and also an expansion with Bigfoot and Robin Hood. So um, right now you have at least a decent amount of characters that you can mix and match with. Everybody has their own specific deck that you use. Um, but it's just a, um, a pretty quick little skirmish game. Um, so you're moving across the map using your different abilities. Each player can either attack, melee, or range, and you're just trying to defeat the other um, team or the other player. Um, one thing I like about this game, um, we don't really play a whole lot of like skirmishy type games, but I think they've made it smooth enough and made the mechanics work well, like with um, line of sight and different things where you don't have to measure anything. You don't have to really like roll anything to figure out if you hit somebody. It's just, you know, based on the way they have the board laid out and the color coding makes it really easy. And so it really is just moving and, and playing the cards strategically to, um, do what you want to do and one thing um that i'm excited for which i'm guessing is coming out next year but they have announced an expansion which is jurassic park so yeah. um, i think that'll definitely be one i know we talked about dinosaur island and how everybody's doing dinosaur theme but um, with it actually being jurassic park and i think it's um maybe one of the characters and the raptors um as the two different minis or characters that you get so i think it'll be pretty cool when that 
can get added in and you can have, I don't know, Raptors facing off against King Arthur or something like that. So definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, you know what? On match also was, well, you know, Jonathan, we were together at Gen Con. This was one of the games that I was really trying to buy and trying to buy and they were always sold out. I play once this year with you, but it's a game that I feel like I need to play more. I want to play more. And I'm pretty sure if I would have played more times, it would have been definitely on my list of competitive as well because I really, uh, you know, like skirmish or, or one versus one or teams games because I that's how I started in board games with X-Wing miniatures, um, but uh, which is completely, of course, completely different. Uh, but yeah, Unmatch is a great game. And like you said about dinosaurs, it feels like if you want to have a successful Kickstarter right now, you can just bring the dinosaur theme and most likely you will be funded, uh, which is now the, the new hypes on games. Anyway, now we go to my competitive four and my cooperative four. Let's start with my competitive. My competitive one, number four, it's one game that I was expecting like very, 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 very low expectations. I guess let's say it like that. Because the theme is something that it wasn't very appealing to me. I played it once with, my, with one of my friends um, and I loved it. I love the components. I like, really like the art. Uh, I like the mechanics of the game. It plays, uh, you know, ideally fast and smooth. Uh, you, you, only, you only have you only have, have like four different actions. Uh, and then I ended up had a, ended up having a good deal in Black Friday here in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. And I got a copy of the game, and I've been playing that game several times with my wife, with friends, with you guys as well. I play it. I think I play it with uh, with you, Jonathan. I believe so, and with your. Uh, with your uh, wife, I'm sorry, with your fiance. And, you know, we had a good time as well. Um, so, and I'm talking about Wingspan by Stonemaier Games, uh, which was probably from all the games from Stonemaier's because of the theme, it was not, definitely not something that I was going to be appealing to me. But once again, like in the past, I was proved wrong that you don't have to judge a, books by the, a book by the cover. I'm sorry, because this game is fantastic. It's great. I like it. I love it. I haven't played the solo mode yet. Uh, but I, I, uh, to be honest with you, it's not a game that I want to play solo because I think it shines way better competitive. And once again, the theme is not something that I that I enjoy as much. But I will play it solo a few times in the way I can get a formal review and do an episode about it. But it's Wingspan by Stonemaier Games. Uh, I think the designer, her name is Jessica Hargrave. I hope I, I, I'm correct on that. And, you know, the game is very well designed. The mechanics, you only have four, tip, four different actions. Either you play a bird. On your, uh, I guess, on your Abbey. How, how, I always forget how to say in English. But anyway, on the different uh, uh, slots for the birds that you have, you can have uh, birds in the forest, birds uh, on the land, and birds um, also on the water. So you only have four actions. You can play a bird. Uh, you can gain resources or food for your birds. You can lay eggs on your uh, on your birds, or you can draw more egg cards to you know to play with those birds as as well. And each bird has a different ability that you can trigger depending on the action that you select. And at the end, it's just by different rounds, victory points. And that's how it goes. Uh, different goals every round. It has a high replayability. There's expansion right now, which the expansion adds two more actions for the game and different European birds. Uh, so if, if the bird stem is up of your alley, and also if you like Stonemaier games, or even if you don't like Stonemaier games, this is a game that I really recommend you. Uh, Wingspan, once again, that was my number four competitive. Now my number four cooperative. It's a game that I talked to you about on the episode 51, which was the uh, most uh, recent episode, and it's Tiny Epic Tactics. Now, usually, usually I really enjoy all the Tiny Epic games, but this one really blew my mind because now it gives me the real feeling of an epicness on a table. And why I say that? Well, because you use part of the box as the main component for the, for the game or the main setup on the table. 
and you have this three-dimensional aspect of the game. And it's basically like you're trying to, if you're playing the solo mode or the cooperative mode, you're trying to go after certain uh, stones or crystals and you're trying to get them in that way you can save the land. So it's basically for me like an implementation and I hope I don't do any copyright, but any, it's like an implementation of the Lane of Zelda, but in a board game. It's fantastic. There's a two expansions already out. So that's a game that I really recommend you if you like to play solo like I do. This is a must have. This is on my number four. That is Tiny Epic Tactics. And once again, if you want to hear a full review of the game, you can go to episode 51. And I talked to my friend Sam Ajo from Gambling Games about the game. So check it out. That was my number four, Tiny Epic Tactics. And now go back to you, Mr. Caleb, with your number three, competitive, and your number three, cooperative. Uh, my number three competitive is uh, a game that's actually an older game. Um, it's a Uwe Rosenberg game, which I've uh, sort of been on a path of liking his output um, in my gaming uh, hobby career here. Uh, so this is one a lot of people are already familiar with. It's Caverna, which uh, has great components. There's tons of components. The box is huge, and the box is packed full. Uh, this is one of the games I actually went out and bought one of the uh, broken token inserts for, just because... There's so many things, uh, and it was going to drive me nuts to try to set it up every time. And the broken token insert makes it uh, certainly a lot easier. So yeah. this is a game uh, that uh, is sort of a continuation of uh, the Agricola game, uh, which I also was a fan of. I played that mostly via the app. Um, but Caverna I like even better. So basically you are uh, building your cave uh, that allow you to have special abilities, uh, furnishing rooms. You are building out your field, which you can use to plant vegetables and wheat. You can also uh, start having uh, animals. And uh, my wife loves how when the animals uh, at the end of the round, if there's two animals, all of a sudden they have a baby. Uh, you have to fence them in. So yeah, that's managing... my that's my favorite mechanic of the game. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. So you're just managing this whole thing. And it's one of those games like you definitely want to win and you're, you're doing the math. And it's a very strategic game with lots of uh, decisions to make. But at the end, even if I just get destroyed, uh, it's just always nice because you've spent this time building something and you have a little farm that you've built out. Um, so whether you win or lose, you just always feel good at the end of the game. Um, I played it solo once. Uh, it's not my favorite solo. I definitely prefer this um, competitive, but uh, it's a great game. So if you're into that um, sort of a style of uh, worker placement and uh, farm building, this is definitely one I would recommend. Caverna. And and animals having babies, right? That's also that's true. Right. That's, it, that's, that's right. a reality show that try that one. What about your compared to your cooperative? Um, cooperative. So this is one um, I played it cooperative once with you, Derek. Uh, otherwise, okay. I played it solo. Uh, this is another game um, that I played a bunch this year. Uh, it was a, a, a big. I guess I should say what it is before I start talking about it. It's a Renegade okay. uh, by Ricky Royal. This was on my highly anticipated list just because I'm a big fan of Ricky Royal's videos, and uh, mm -hmm. he, he was instrumental in getting me and a lot of people uh, into uh, another game called Mage Knight, which uh, yeah. is, yeah. uh, I, feel, I feel like it's a taking a college class or something to learn how to, to yeah. play that game. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he, he sort of helps people overcome that with his video series on YouTube and lots of other solo uh play through videos that are really helpful uh, but he actually designed a game called renegade and uh, a lot of people had described it as mage knight light which uh, certainly was something i was interested in so we picked this up uh i think online some somebody had it for like a really cheap sale it was like half off so i had the game and it sort of sat on my shelf even though i really wanted to play it just because i kept getting intimidated by the uh the language in in the rule book because 
it's one of those games where for thematic purposes everything has a thematic name so instead of a yeah. discard pile it has some other special name and uh eventually once you learn the game it's actually not as complicated as you think it is so i would recommend yeah. if anybody's interested in this game they they try to jump those hurdles because it's not actually as complex as you would think but again man you just get so much mileage out of just the components in front of you a deck of cards and uh a few tiles uh, and some chits uh, it's really an immersive game it's it's mostly an abstract game but um i know you may disagree derek but i actually feel the theme come through and yeah uh, I, I, I really i really like the game so uh, i'm actually going to look for the uh, little expansion packs they have um for this one and uh, it's it's very puzzly so i think that's why it's best as a solo game because you definitely could sit there for a long time analyzing your hand and how you want to play it out because there's so many ways to to spend the currency on your cards um but yeah it's a really great game so that's renegade yeah and actually i mean i totally agree with you it's a fantastic game the mechanics are amazing actually if i don't remember uh, wrongly the the mechanic of how you i guess let's call it build your deck or how you play your cards is is fantastic it's great the theme is definitely there and that's probably the other part for me that I played the game, but I'm not a huge fan of the theme, which, what would you call the theme? Like, very uh, computer uh, technology hacker, I guess? That's yeah, it's like it. a hacker theme. Basically, you're like in a dystopian future, and you're a hacker, so you're trying to uh, uh, get into the servers and uh, plant viruses and things like that. So uh, I think that's one, one way they've made it. Uh, you know, the, the theme works because, you know, what does it mean to be inside the computer's circuitry, you know, planting viruses? It sort of leaves yeah. it open to whatever gameplay mechanisms you want so that's uh that's the way they decided to go yeah and fun fact that you were mentioning about ricky royal or also well the official name that you will find in the box is richard wilkins and uh, the the games i think is published by victory points is that ricky royal or richard wilkins he was a sort of uh you know source of inspiration for uh, even for uh, some youtubers over there some content creators like my good friend adam smith which uh, we did the episode 50 from rolling solo uh two episodes ago you can go and check it out he was actually mentioned in an interview, I'm giving you a little bit of spoiler, that uh, he was inspired also by Ricky Royal. Uh, so yeah, Ricky Royal is just, he was probably one of the first ones that he starts to play, do the solo uh, playthroughs and all the stuff. So yeah, it's a good game. The theme wasn't there. I mean, it was nothing that it was a theme very appealing to me, but yeah, the game is a fantastic game. What about you, my friend Jonathan? Shoot us with your number threes. Um, so my number three... Um for my competitive game is clank in space yeah um, we had played the regular clank at gen con i think two years ago and i like the idea of having the deck builder plus the board um one of the things i kind of gravitate towards is deck building games um most of the time in college our go-to game was one of the versions of the dc deck builder played marvel legendary so clank was kind of the next um step in that and adding the board game component to that was really cool um i like the space theme of it and some of the things that it adds to the original um but basically what you're doing is while you're building a deck and it's a, the same thing with any deck builder you're spending your resources to add cards to your deck um, but you also have a um, meeple going across the board you're collecting um, tokens and things that give you victory points but also you have to get an artifact before um the end of the game you have to get back to the um, the docking bay and get off on an escape pod um, before you either die and the way that works is you add clank or some of your colored cubes to the bag and whenever the villain 
um, is triggered, you pull out cubes, and if it's yours, you take that damage. So it kind of has a pressure luck component with, with how far you go on the board to get um, something more valuable. Um, so there's there's definitely different strategies on how you can go. Do you go get something really cheap and get out quick and hope everybody else you know has more trouble and you know might die, or do you go for the higher victory points to try to seal that win, but you may have a tougher chance of getting out. So I kind of like that aspect and having the deck builder and you know finding those combinations of cards um, definitely appeals to me. And I think anybody that hasn't tried it, but if you like a deck building game, it's definitely a good one to try with that extra component of that board game involved. Yeah, and actually, Clank on the Space, my friend, uh, which is polished once again uh, by Renegade Games. I hope I'm not wrong. Yeah, no, it's, it's Renegade Games. Uh, you have the app that allows you to play it solo, if you like. Uh, I haven't tried the Clank in Space solo, but I tried the original Clank or the base game Clank uh, with the app. And you know what? It's very good. So if you have the game or you have your doubts about getting the game and you're mainly a solo player... You should give it a try because I don't think it will disappoint you. You have the app that replaces the other player and is basically giving you challenges, different challenges every round. So it's great. So I like to hear that Clank, Clank in Space fall on your list, Jonathan. What about your cooperative number three? Um, so my number three is Chronicles of Crime. This was one that I was looking to get for quite a while, um, mm -hmm. just based on other reviews I've heard. Um, I definitely like um, escape room type games and this you know, having um, that cooperative experience of trying to solve this mystery to figure out what happened. And um, I think the cool thing with this, it has the um, QR technology involved. So as you go, you just scan the QR code of either the evidence you want to look at or who you want to investigate. It comes up on the app with what you learn. Um, and you use that as you go through solving um, the different mysteries. Even with the base set, you definitely get a lot to work with. Um, I think there's three or four different cases. Some of them have multiple parts that you work on, but there's a couple expansions. Um, I know, Derek, you've played one where it's, um, yeah. I think you said it's almost like Stranger Things, kind of like that setting. Yeah. Um, there's one that's a noir setting um, that I haven't tried yet. But it's definitely a great game. I think you can play it solo or cooperative. This is one that I'd probably have a hard time differentiating because i've enjoyed it both ways but i think it's better with a smaller group of people just because um as you're going through you can look at crime scenes and evidence and you can pass the phone around or the app that you're using and everybody can look at it but it would be hard to have you know if you had a group of four or five people it'd take a longer time um it almost be too much to have everybody look at every crime scene and look for different evidence but you know playing with one two or three people um it's definitely a fun experience if you're just looking for more of a light you know crime solving um yeah. you know cooperative game like that yeah and actually i will talk a little bit more about the game because it's going to be on my honor mentions of, of of this list but yeah i mean you're completely right we play it the first time at your house uh and since i played the game with you it I, it really impressed me i also get that around the same time i got detective from uh, portal games which to be honest i haven't even played it because this game came into my uh, into my shelf and you know my wife really enjoyed those themes about thriller and crime and uh, detectives and those things uh so she really enjoyed it as well and we'll be playing quite a quite a bit of the game also the expansions but once again i will talk a little bit uh, more about my opinions once we go to our honor mentions of the night now my number three uh competitive in co and cooperative let's start with the competitive once again, same mistake that I did with Wingspan. This game, which if also my number three, the theme was like for me nothing, nothing that I would like to 
have on the table. Because as you know, my friends, I always like like epic things, immersive things, uh, you know, Vikings and warriors and paladins and fantasy and darkness and all that stuff. Uh, you know, but this was a game that actually, Caleb, you wanted to play it for quite a bit. Uh, so I ended up grabbing a copy of the collector edition on Gen Con and I played it and I love it. I love the components. I love the mechanics. I love, you know, how it plays in, I have played one player. I have played solo. I played two players. I played three players. I played four players. And in all number accounts, I love it. Uh, and I'm talking about Everdell. Everdell is my top three competitive. Basically, you're, it's a very simple, very easy worker placement. You choose a faction of animals that you're going to be playing in the, in the forest of Everdell. It's already expansion. It's out, which is called Pearlbrook, which adds a little bit more uh, land on the main board and a different uh, other actions and mechanics that you get. You get a little frog that adds another work placement, I guess, another worker on your, on your base. And also, there's two expansions that they were very successful on Kickstarter that they're going to start to be delivered on February, I believe. So Everdale, worker placement, you try you play over uh, three different uh, seasons, which I believe is a spring, summer, and fall. And at the end of the fall, you score victory points, and whoever has more victory points win the game. Now, the gimmick of this game is that, you know, which for me, I don't enjoy it as much, is that somebody can just keep playing, you know, their actions and doing things and putting their workers to, to do certain actions. And then they can finish the three seasons and they can finish the game because every season you're going to be getting a bonus like another worker or something else, right? So you can end it up your game sooner than me. And that part, which some people love it, that's the part that I don't like. I prefer to go, you know, kind of at the same time around the table and that way we can all finish kind of at the same time. But once again, I guess that was the idea of the game, the gimmick of the game, um, which I really like, you know, all, all the other aspects except that from the game and, and that's Everdell Caleb I know you were waiting for that game a lot of time probably you're laughing right now because the gimmick is one of the most important things to the game but um, what do you think about Everdell by the way I would love to hear your thoughts yeah Everdell I think I think it was a good game we struggled I think uh, with the visibility so anytime you're playing these tableau card builders you know yeah. table space and how far away you are uh, can be uh, can be yeah. troublesome so with my bad eyesight uh, I struggle with that uh, especially when there's those cards. I forget what they're called, but there's cards. Oh, the ones, you... yeah, the ones that they have an open slot that you can go to my cards, to my CD, and I can go right. to your cards, yeah. Right. I, so basically you play this card in, in your own tableau, and other players can place their workers there. But of course, if someone has a card across the table, there's no way you can see it, um, even with perfect eyesight. So you have to sort of like have them explain it to you and remember that that space is available, which is a little clunky. Um, but I think also the more times you play this, those things would go away. And, uh, you know, it, it's a fun game otherwise. And certainly the components and uh, the aesthetics of the game are uh, knocked it out of the park. Yeah, so that's my, my number three Everdell competitive. Now, my number three cooperative, it's also a game that I've been playing at solo. I play it cooperative with my wife and I play it with you, my friends. Uh, and I'm talking about City of Kings. City of Kings, it's a very immersive game with a beautiful and very uh, highly detailed narrative. You can play the game either as a normal adventure or you can play as a huge campaign with a different story arcs. There's expansions already. You can get the miniatures or you can play with standees. There's a bunch of components, very good quality. And for me, I've been playing Lord of the... Uh, sorry, Lord of the Rings, no. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons, the board games in the past. I have never played a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing game experience per se. But this game, City of Kings, 
it gives me kind of, I, even without playing, like kind of that experience of a role playing kind of, but, you know, at the same time with very nice standees or very nice miniatures, depends if you have the expansion. And, you know, also you're trying to move across the board, trying to uh, succeed on different quests. You're trying to de defeat different enemies that they're going to be spawning on the on the tiles. You're going to be flipping tiles, discovering new tiles, different paths, different routes for your uh, mission on the story or, or just the single mission that you're playing. Also, I, lo I love that the, the your, let's call it like, I'm going to steal your word, Caleb, the tableau or your main base where you have your, your different abilities and skills. It's huge. It's like a, like a, literally like a poster that you have of the character, which the art is great. And then you can put a, like a glass uh, top on, on, on top of that, I said, to, to keep it more steady. And then you put different cubes that they will tell you how many skills you have to fight, how many on a skill you have to defend, how many on a skill you have for this role and so forth. So you have to be managing these, those tracks in your, in your personal area. And you also need to be worrying about, well, I need to go there because the time is running out. Because also you have like a clock in the middle of the table that it's putting a time limit on the game. Every round, something bad is happening and it's getting closer to the end of the game. So you better hurry up to succeed on your mission or the game is going to take over. Or, But also you want to make sure that you don't you know, waste your skills. And there's a lot of going on on the game. Also, I'm looking forward. Well, we have an episode about it. If you, if you haven't listened, you can go back. It was released on this year. But the City of Kings definitely falls on my number three of cooperative games. It's definitely going to be on my 10 by 10 challenge for next year. And I would like to hear what you guys think because you guys played it once with me. And I don't know if you have the same impression that of epicness that I got or if you think otherwise. Let's start with you, Jonathan. What do you think about the game? Well, this was one that we saw at Gen Con two years ago, but it was already sold out. But even yeah. when we demoed it, I think we got that impression of, you know, what you could do like with the, um, the campaign of the game and just how it simplifies kind of that um, role playing uh, mechanic where, you know, I've done D&D &D and Pathfinder before, and a lot, that takes a lot of time. And I think having a game like this where you kind of have that skill tree laid out on each individual player mat that, that fits that character and just being able to upgrade that simplifies it a lot to play through this board game, um, you know, as a campaign and still get that role-playing experience almost and, and getting to upgrade your character in the way that you want. Um, you know, I think you can go about it different ways and each time you can even you know, make your character different on how you go through those skills and, and change their abilities. So um, I definitely think it makes it more accessible, um, you know, especially like, you know, if you haven't played a, a role-playing game, if you want something that still gives you that immersive experience, but it's, a, a you know, a quicker um, game that's more, you know, more of a smooth game without having to learn, you know, 800 pages of rules, um, this is definitely a good game for that. And I think there's a lot of variety that you can play with the game. Um, that's, and even just that's how, how, how they do that, like as you go further and, you know, flip the tiles and, and certain tiles have higher difficulty and every monster is, is different and, you know, randomized is pretty cool, too. Yeah, it's 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 it definitely has that replayability uh, for the game. What about you, Caleb? You played the game as well. And I think you were you were looking forward to try it. And then your thoughts were like kind of like meh. <laughs> but what, what, what were you? Yeah, impressions? yeah. Yes, I, it's one of those things like I don't actually remember very much about the game. I feel like I remember there being a lot of pieces and being very excited about it and then just kind of feeling meh. But I also, yeah. I, I also don't, uh, you know, think it's necessarily a game I won't enjoy. I think we've talked about before getting it out to uh, to play again. And I think even you had mentioned whatever scenario we had played that it wasn't one of the fa you know your favorite scenarios and it ended yeah. up sort of being 
comparatively speaking, a meh experience compared to the other ones you'd played. So uh, I definitely want to try it again because uh, it looks like the kind of game that's right up my alley. So I want to try it. Okay. Once more I will bring time. it to the table next next board game night that we have or that I will host with you, my friends. So sure, those sure. that was my number three on Cooperative City of Kings. We're getting closer to our most favorites. And I'm looking forward to hear. And that's why I'm going to go with you, my friend Caleb, because I think now we start to share some games in common. Uh, well, let's start with your number two with cooperative and then you jump to competitive. My number two cooperative game um, is a game called Aeon's End, which uh, is a deck builder, but it messes with the deck building component or mechanic in ways that I think are really interesting. So one of the coolest things about the game is unlike other deck builders, as you add cards to your deck and your discard pile grows, and eventually you end up needing to shuffle that discard pile you never shuffle the deck. So when you pick up those cards uh, for your discard pile, you just turn them from face up to face down, and the order of the cards uh, has been determined by your actions and the order in which you bought things uh, you know, previously. So I think that's really cool because you can set yourself up for combos much more easily um, and it adds an extra layer of strategy uh, to the game. Um, so that, that, I think, is one component that's really cool. Um, the other thing I like about the game is it has another mechanism I've never seen before, and that is you take turns when you play with uh, you know other people, or even I, I typically play two-handed if I play it solo. You uh, take the turns in an order that you don't know uh, is going to happen. So you have these randomizer cards, and let's say you're playing a two-player game. There might be two one-player cards, two two-player cards, and two villain cards. So you shuffle those cards up, and you know that everyone's going to get two turns during that round, but you do not know the order. So somebody get, might get two turns in a row. The villain might take two turns in a row. Uh, it can really be all over the place. So that really adds a lot of chaos, but yet um, you know, luck that can make the game more exciting. If you're like, oh, yes, I, you know, I'm about to hit two turns in a row, and all of a sudden you feel really powerful. Um, but on the other side, sometimes the villain gets two turns in a row. Um, so I don't know. The whole thing is really cool. It's another one of these modular deck building systems. So you, there's tons of expansions. You can have new uh, mages to play with. You can have uh, new villains to play against. There's it's sort of like Marvel Legendary. You can just combine the game how you want to play. Uh, my only strike against the game is the art is a little amateur looking, I think. It's not bad, um, really bad, but it's definitely not uh, to the quality that you would hope for uh, in a game that's, uh, you know, this excellent. Um, yeah, so this uh, Aeon's End. Actually, you showed me that game one time. Uh, yep. You were here at my house and we played two players and I loved it. I love the game. Now, I don't own a copy of the game, but I know there's a big box that probably, if you will probably tell me the name right now because I know you're a huge fan of the game, that you can play the legacy mode. And it has like a bunch of scenarios and that I'm looking forward to getting. That way that can be on my 10 by 10 challenge. And the game, yeah, like you mentioned, the mechanic, the, the difference that it does on the turn order, the difference on the deck building aspect, it's a fantastic game. What is the name of the legacy? Is it just called Ionzen's Legacy or, or it has like a particular name? Does it come to you right now? So there is an Aeon's End uh, Legacy game. There's also one, I think it's called New Age. I hope I'm not mixing these two up. Yeah, that's There's another one idea. called New Age that I think has some components of you start with a character and then by the end, you know, you take that character through the game. So it's sort of a legacy component. Yeah. But again, all that stuff can be mixed together. So uh, really, you, could, you couldn't do wrong by choosing any of the starter sets. I think there's three or four starter sets. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Be because it's the one that you have, which is the New Age, I think. 
And then now, I then, have the original base game. The you have the original. Think, the one that, yeah, I think the New Age is the one that came out at Gen Con. And um, then is War Eternals, I think, called the other one. Yeah, uh, that was the first standalone expansion. Yeah, and then the Legacy, which is the black box. Uh, but anyway, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to get a copy of that, and then we can do an episode about it. And definitely, it's going to be on my 10 by 10 challenge. So that was your cooperative. What about your competitive? I think, I think we have a match here. Yeah, so this is another one. This is the second game I ran for at Gen Con. Uh, yeah, you did a good job. You did yeah, a good job. Yeah. Man, this game is so, so it's good. It's so good. Yeah, 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 I know. I agree with you. It's so good. Yeah, go yeah, for it. Yeah, so, so this is Sierra West. Oh, and uh, yeah, it's it's hard to even describe because it doesn't have um, any other game that's really like it. It's sort of a lot of new mechanisms. So one thing that's cool is you you have these cards and you lay them out to form a mountain, and the backs of the cards, uh, as they overlap, make it look like the mountain. You know, is one one solid mountain as opposed to a bunch of different cards. So that's really cool. Um, you ha also have this uh, wagon trail at the bottom of the board. Uh, that gives you bonuses and gives you multipliers to your scoring at the end of the game. And then basically every turn, you're going to get three cards from your deck. It's a, it's somewhat of a deck builder because you will add some cards to your deck from that mountain I just mentioned throughout the game. Um, but it's sort of a slow deck builder, so you're not going to deal through your deck a, a bunch of times. Um, but what's cool about it is you get these three cards and you sort of arrange them into like a little miniature mountain. So two cards... Uh, at the bottom and one card at the top. And because of the way the board is set up, you sort of hide these cards underneath your board and it covers up different symbols on the card, which is really easy to see uh, and intuitive once you play a, a couple of rounds. Sort of hard to describe via audio. But the way you arrange those cards just gives you a lot of decisions to make. Um, and then furthermore, um, there you have these like Basically, they're workers, and the workers have to travel along two paths that are formed by the way you place the cards. So there's a top path and a bottom path. And again, there's so many way options on how you take those actions. Yeah. Uh, it, it's sort of similar to that game we played that Jonathan had this year, Parks, uh, although it's much more involved. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, Parks is a very good game, too. But yeah, no, nothing like, um, like yeah. this kind of immersion if i guess and uh in the euro world right like yeah, Sarah yeah. Right? and yeah, it's, the it's the, great yes the only the only knock against it i would say is it it's sort of like i mentioned with renegade there is a learning curve to the beginning so uh it's another one of those games that after i learned it i i feel like i can teach it fairly easily even though there's a lot to get through um uh, but it was a chore to sort of go through because the game also comes with four modules so the rule book um while it's clear it is split up in a little bit of a, a weird way because it'll say, here's the setup. And then within that setup, it'll give you the setup for one module. But then yeah. if you play another module, then it will say, well, if you play with this module, substitute this and put this here and here's new rules. And uh, so it's a little uh, confusing. I almost wish they would have not included all those modules in the very beginning and then you know maybe had those as uh, uh, you know expansions later on. But it's also yeah. hard to complain when you get all that content uh, in one box. So... Yeah, this one's a high recommendation for me. I almost put it as my number one, um, but I'm going I'm to leave it at number two. Uh, yeah, West. and you know what? We're going to change the order right now in a little bit here because I feel like since it's my number two, I should jump and talk about Sierra West as well and just mention some other facts. So we will go back to you, Jonathan, in a bit. Uh, Sierra West is my number two competitive. And, you know, er Caleb, you mentioned pretty much everything. Another thing that I want to mention is that it plays fantastic solo. It's a yeah. game that, you know, I'm looking forward to the episode, and I want to hear also Jonathan's uh, thoughts as well. 
but it's a game that I get the same enjoyment at the same level if I want to play yep. it solo or I if agree. I play it with friends. Um, you know, David Tursey does a fantastic work, like always, doing the Automa or the solo mode faction of the game, which is basically you're having a ghost there playing for you. I mean, you're playing against against somebody else on the table. And the way that he did the mechanics for the solo mode, that you're drawing a card and he tells you what to do in order, the actions and how it really messes mess it up with your strategy, it's fantastic. David Tursey is more famous known for anachrony. And, you know, he has a new upcoming Kickstarter, Venice, which by the time that you're listening to this, the Kickstarter just end. The late pledge is going to be very soon. But, you know, it's it's fun. And now I say every, uh, to everybody that every time that I see a David Tursey name in the, in the box, for me, it's almost a must-have. I mean, it's fantastic. And Sierra West, once again, is one of those weird games that is at the same level of enjoyment, solo or competitive. And now what's really surprised me, Caleb, and we talk about this and Jonathan as well, is that I've been seeing this game, uh, you know, for sale very cheap, uh, you know, from secondhand, from different uh, gamers. And it really surprised me because I don't know if it's because of the learning curve that you mentioned, which honestly, once you play a couple of rounds, it's very easy and very, very smooth and very simple, even if it looks like an overwhelming Euro. It's not like that. Jonathan, you play the game as well. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think that you really like it as well, right? Yeah, I've just played the one time so far, um, and I agree, like, it took a while, you know, probably two or three turns just to kind of understand more of how to strategize in the game, like, you know, the whole movement thing that you talked about, Caleb, like, lining up the cards, that made sense after maybe the second turn, once I did it a couple times, just to figure out, like, what the best way is to do that, but um, it was definitely one where I enjoyed it the first time playing through, and it's one that I you know, he had the thought that I want to play this again to figure out how to do better. It was definitely one where, you know, once you get over that learning curve, you know, I think we had that with Scythe too, where there it seemed like there's so much going on. Yeah. And then once you, you know, it makes sense, but you just want to play it more and more because now that you understand that, you know, figuring out the strategy behind that and how you can change things each time um, to do better and score more points. I think there's a lot of options there and, you know, we can even play the game a little differently from each other. Um, so it's definitely one where I want to play again now that I know how to play just to figure out, you know, better ways to do it. Yeah. Caleb, any last thoughts on Sierra West that you want to share? No, I think you covered it. Yeah. The solo mode is really, really excellent. And it, it's also your sim. It's not a different game. Sometimes you play a solo mode and they're like, okay, well now the rules have changed and it's a completely different game with the same components. Yeah. This one you're playing against a bot character. That's very easy to maintain and to work through. Um, and it's very challenging, and it, you're basically playing the same game against a robot character. Yeah, this game is published by Board and Dice, and I'm really hoping, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm really hoping for expansions. Uh, I think one of the downsides of the game is that it's very fun. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's very fun. It, it's, it's very uh, rewarding when you're playing, and especially when you win, uh, you know, by playing solo. Uh, but it, it has, I think, four different modules you mentioned, at Caleb. I think it's four only. Um, so I don't, I, to be honest, I don't know how much it will be the replayability after you play those four, uh, when you do solo. So I'm, I'm looking forward to play, to finish the four of them, win the four of them in that way we can have a more, uh, official review of the game and do an episode as well. But I don't, I'm looking forward for them to bring more expansions of Sierra West. I don't know once again, if the replayability will go down for solo mode, once you finish with the fourth model, with the four uh, modules, but we'll see, we'll see, hopefully the 2020 bring some more surprises for Sierra West. Now, this is going to be quick. 
I'm going to jump to my number two uh, uh, cooperative, uh, but I'm just going to tell you the name because we're going to talk about this game since it's going to be down on the list of you, my friends. So my number two uh, cooperative game, which also you can play it solo, it's a game that the, that the theme is not appealing to me as well, but it's proving me wrong. And just because of this game, I'm watching the whole universe of movies that is out there because you know i'm a huge dc batman fan by the heart but now just because of this game i've been watching all the movies and i'm talking about marvel champions the living card game i'm just gonna put it like there we're not talking about we're not gonna talk about it yet it's gonna be coming down on the list of you guys so let's keep it there my number two cooperative game it's marvel champions lcg now let's jump back to you, Jonathan, with your competitive and cooperative number twos. Sure. So my number two on the competitive was also another game that I've been looking for for a while, and that is Dice Forge. Um, one of the things that I found interesting from reviews and videos that I watched on this one was, you know, like, unlike other game building or um, other mechanism there, this one you're actually building your dice. So everybody starts with the same two dice. Um, but as you build resources, you can either buy um, other faces to put on the dice. Uh, um, really easy to pop off um, you know, each side and put on something new. Um, you also use resources to buy cards that either give you one-time abilities or repeat abilities that work every turn to give you other benefits. Uh, what you're doing is the theme is trying to be the one to appeal to the gods most. Um, you get the most victory points. Um, one thing that really stood out too is this game is very easy to learn. Um, you know, rules, it's really like a, a four or five pages. It's very simple and easy to get into. So for somebody new to games or if you're looking for a lighter game for people, um, this is a pretty easy one to pick up and it plays really quick. So that's Dice Forge. There is an expansion that I have. I haven't played it yet, but it adds a new component to that. So I'll be interested to see how that adds to the game, um, but I definitely, even just the base game, it's, it's really fun um, to play with a few people. Yeah, actually, Dice Forge was a game that um, Caleb, we, we tried at his house, and, um, you know, Jonathan's house, and we all ended up liking it a lot, and we all ended up grabbing a, grabbing a copy, right? So what are your thoughts on Dice, on Dice Forge, uh, Caleb? Yeah, it's a great game. Uh, it's one I like to play with more than two players because they change the rules a bit for two players. But yeah, it's really cool The the box organization system is uh, really ingenious as well, so it's easy to set up. Um, and yeah, it's basically you're playing uh, a dice game where you roll dice and get the loot that you roll, but the mechanism is that you can actually change the faces of the dice, and I think is a, I think that's a really clever idea and also yeah, I, really tactical and or tact, tactile and fun for new players. Yeah, I don't I don't remember any other game that that does that that you know allows you to, I guess, customize your dice. Unless you can think of one, but I don't. I don't think of any. I think that's for sure was probably the first one and the only one, right? I think there might be others, but I have not played them. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, that was your number two. Uh, competitive Jonathan Dice Forge, great game. What about your cooperative number two? So the cooperative number two was one that we saw at Gen Con. Um, at the place, and at that point, it was still in a prototype form. Um, but it kind of falls in line with some of their other games where you have the scenario book that you work through, but it's a little bit different. Um, this one is called Quirky Circuits. Um, you know, it's kind of a, um, you know, huter family 
level game, but as you're going through this book, you have different robots that you control. Um, the first one that you start with is a Roomba that has a cat on top of it, guiding it through each different scenario, trying to pick up the dust bunnies. But the way you do that is um, each player gets a hand of cards, and it's all hidden movement, and it's all uh, program movement. So you play your card face down. Um, for that specific um, character, it either tells um, other players just if you are moving up or down, forward or backward, or if you're turning. So they can have an idea of what your strategy is. Um, but kind of like other games, um, I haven't played it, but like the mind where you're trying to figure out how your um, your friends uh-huh. are, are playing the cards and whether you're going to play the numbers, you're trying to figure out is he going to move forward? Is he turning? What is the strategy there? And after after that, in each turn, you at least have to play five cards. So sometimes it works out great. You move across the board. You pick up what you're supposed to pick up. Other ball, bounce off the wall, run back into the wall, turn around. So um, it's a lot of fun. Each scenario is really quick, so you can play you know, the same one over and over again until you beat it You know, in a half an hour. Or you can play through four or five in half an hour, depending on how well you do. Um, but this is um, fun. Uh, a little game from from Plant Hat Games, and I think this is one that, you know, depending on the scenarios, it's it's good for most ages. And I think kids could pick it up real well, and um, I think they would like the the characters that have the key miniatures of the different robots. Okay, so that was your number two cooperative. Now, before we jump into our number ones, before we do that, I would like to ask you and start with you, my friend Caleb. Give me, please give me, because I I know you have a few. Give me your honorable mentions for competitive and cooperative. The ones that they didn't make it to the list, but it's still you had a lot of enjoyment, a lot of you know pleasure on playing it, and that you're looking forward to play more in that way. Probably, who knows? Probably next year they can be on the list. Yeah, so I got a couple of them to mention, just two. Uh, I played lots of good games this year, but two that stood out to me. One is a game that is a competitive roll and write game, um, which I know Derek, you'll love that. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite <laughs> That's mechanic, right. actually. You know, that if, if somebody asks me, like, Derek, what is your favorite mechanic on a game? Roll and write. Let's do it. All night. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, I can sense a fib there. Yeah. So uh, this this is Fleet the Dice Game, which I've heard really good things about from people who enjoy roll and write games. Uh, this one's actually a roll and write game with a little meat on its bone. So it's simple mechanisms. You're basically rolling dice and drafting the check boxes off like you would expect for a roll and write. But uh, the game has a lot of combos. So it's a lot of oh, if you check off this box, then this thing checks off and that gives you an extra coin. And now you have enough coins to get an extra bonus thing. So sometimes one little dice draft can uh, you know, give you three, four, five different boxes to check off. Um, so that, that I really like. Uh, there's a solar rules included in the base game. So that's really nice. And also, uh, I basically just bring the dice with me and then the uh, the sheets i had laminated and i have an expo marker so it lives in my backpack which is one of the reasons i like the game so much so i've played it uh you know at my son's swimming practice or in the car uh, it's a really quick game maybe 20 30 minutes to play solo and uh yeah you get a lot of you get a lot of bang for your buck so that's definitely one i would highly recommend for a solo player fleet the dice game okay uh and then my second honorable mention derek this is a game that you did actually really love um and i really love it too um, and okay. that is a game, a game called Naga Raja. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We it's played this, fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah, we played it a few weeks ago, and it's a, it's a two-player only game. It's got excellent components. 
Um, it's uh, a game by Bruno Catala, and mm-hmm. uh, I won't be able to say the other guy's name, Theo Rivieri. Um, mm-hmm. Bruno Catala games uh, I, I tend to usually enjoy, and this is no exception. Uh, it's got sort of an Indiana Jones adventure theme to it, and uh, it's got some luck elements, but also some card play, and one of my favorite mechanisms in games, and that is when you have a deck of cards in your hand, and uh, each card can be used for multiple things, and I always like a little bit of luck in my game, so this has got that. Um, and then you're basically rolling dice, but the dice are sort of sticks, sort of like that Call to Adventure game we played this year yeah. uh, as well. So it, it just Sort of like, like runes, right? Like Kind of like runes or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's really cool. So when you're rolling, you might get strength uh, to fight for a tile that you're trying to place, or you might get what they call nagas, which is basically a little river symbol, and that allows you to play cards from your hand. So uh, there's luck, but there's lots of ways of uh, mitigating the luck, and the art's really great. Uh, This is one that I feel like is kind of like Sierra West. It's not getting as much love as it deserves. I haven't heard a lot of other people talk about it, but every person I've played it with uh, really likes it. So it's Naga Raja. Yeah, actually, I mean, if, if at some point we would do the top five two-player games, definitely this game would be on my top two or top three. Like, it's 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 a game that, you know, it's two-player games perfect. Like, I, I really, you know that I really enjoy it. I told you, like, multiple times, and I'm looking forward to grab a copy for myself, and that way I can, I can show it to my wife or I can show it to other friends because it's a fantastic two-player game. I love, I like your, uh, you know, your honorable mentions, except the Roll and Ride, but the other one, I will enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Jonathan? What are your honorable mentions for tonight? So I have um, one of those is also a two-player game. Uh, Caleb and I actually demoed this at Jacob. It's called Shobu. It is, um, apparently it's based on, like, the wrestling and history, but um, it's almost like a different way um, to play like a game of chess or checkers um, where you're moving across the board, but each player has um, two boards on their side, and what the goal of the game is to, um, on, on any of the four boards in play, you are trying to move your opponent's four stones off of the board, and the way you do that is by moving... Um, one stone on one of your boards on one side, you, you do the same action um, on a board on the other side. And that action can either be passive or aggressive where it was your... It's an interesting little strategy game where um, you're trying to manage all four boards and trying to plan the board on your side to attack your opponent on the other side. Um, so it really is like a game of back and forth, um, you know, like, like you're playing chess, you're trying to anticipate, you know, my opponent can move his stone, you know, this, this way or this way. So to be defensive, I have to do this. Um, and it's a quick game. It probably plays in about 15 minutes. Um, but it was one that we played at Gen Con. I got it. We've, we've played at home a couple of times as well. Um, and it's just a, a quick little strategy game. And for me, I'm terrible at chess, but this still kind of fills that strategy area without, being that daunting game of chess that I know I'm always going to lose at. Um, and it's definitely a cool little mechanism where you do have the four boards going at one time. Um, so that is, is one of my honorable mentions. And um, the other one I have, um, it's a little bit more complicated, but um, I feel like I'm the resident escape room game player in the group. Yeah, um, you are. I've played some, yeah, um, some new ones that came out this year. Um, but the ones I wanted to mention as um, some of the positive ones um, they were part of the Unlock series. Um, they have the Heroic Adventures that just came out. 
and they definitely improve on the system and they have some unique mechanisms um, that come in the box. And this one was also cool because you got all three games in one box instead of buying three separate games. Um, but the different themes, there's one that is like an 8-bit video game theme. Um, it also kind of has a little bit of like uh, VR or um, um, some unique things in the app that's really cool. They have a Sherlock Holmes one and then an Alice in Wonderland. Um, but they definitely improve on some of the, the past ones in the system. And then one that I also have played this year is from Escape Room the Game. Um, this was actually the one that you got me for my birthday, Caleb. It is the Jumanji theme uh, game, but it has um, different keys that you put in when you figure out the clues. Um, you go through and you play a story that's based on Jumanji. So if you like that theme at all, it's really cool. And it's got three stories in there that you can play through um, in that universe. And it gives you this cool... Um, I forget what the device is called, but it acts as a timer. It has some different decoders on there, and it's where you put the keys. So it's this cool little box that you get to use, and you can use it in further expansions as well um, without having to buy another base game to use it. Um, but those are my honorable mentions for the escape room games in general. Okay, sounds good. And, I, and I'm looking, really looking forward, actually, to play that one that you mentioned. I know sometimes with the escape, the escape games, uh, escape room games, the, uh, the downside is that there's no replayability since you already know the story. But, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to try the Jumanji, so probably I will take it borrowed from you one of, one of these days. Anyway, uh, my honor mentions I divided on two, competitive and cooperative. So I will start really quick with cooperative. I have two. Chronicles of Crime, we talked about that earlier on the show, uh, especially the expansion that is called Redview. Uh, you know, it's basically, like you mentioned, like you're playing like a stranger things. You have a different roles on teenagers, and you're trying to resolve crimes around Redview because something uh, weird or strange is happening. Uh, it's a fantastic game. I love it. My wife's love it. We actually got a, like a board, you know, like a, with some um, that you can write on the board, I guess. And that way we can keep up with the clues. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic. The atmosphere that you get with the game is great. I agree with you. Four-player games probably will be the, the most. And actually, in the Redview expansion, you can only have a limit of four players or five, I believe. But uh, on the other ones, like in the, in the base game, you can play if you like with, I don't know, I would think with, 10 people or whatever, because, you know, there, there's no roles to pick from. It's everybody's doing the same and managing the same uh, aspects of the game. But in this one, in Redview, you, everybody has a character. So you need to, uh, you need to stay with that character skill or ability. Uh, and you are doing different things and you're going to different places. So it's very nice. It's very cool. If you like that theme, Stranger Things, definitely you're going you're gonna to enjoy Redview, the expansion for Chronicles of Crime. Also, another one that I was playing recently, actually today, uh, that it's a classic from 2013 by Fantasy Flight Games by Nikki Valens and Corey Kanishka. It's Eldritch Horror. Eldritch Horror is such a good game. And it makes me think of how a great game should be designed. I talked to you before we started the show, Caleb. Uh, you know, Eldritch Horror, it's definitely an honorable mention for me. It's a game from 2013 again, but that you can play right now. And it doesn't feel like it's an old game. It feels... Like, you know, a recent game. I haven't played Cthulhu Dead May Die, which is one of the ones that I really want to play next year. But um, this game, besides having a bunch of decks, I mean, other than that, it's pretty easy to set up, pretty easy to play. It can get long. It's crazy, but it's one to eight players. So I'm pretty sure with eight players, it will take you all night for one case. But, I mean, it's a great game. I like it. Uh, Elish Horror, that will be on my honor mentions of this year, even if it's a game from 2013. And a competitive one, so the competitive honorable mentions will be one that also I uh, was provided uh, from the, my friends um, 
on Gen Con, it was from Ankama Board Games and Luma Imports. They provide me a copy of Monster Slaughter. I really like it. It's very fun. Uh, I I'm feel bad that it doesn't have a solo mode, but also I can see why it doesn't have a solo mode. Monster Slaughter, we have an episode as well of this game. Uh, if you want to go and check it out, I think it was around the episode 40 or 41. It was a little bit, it wasn't on the Halloween month. It was, I think, on September. So check it out over there. The episode is there wherever you can listen to this podcast. Also, another another competitive honorable mention would be Imaginarium. Imaginarium, I played recently with you, my friends. And it's basically like an engine, I guess, builder game, if, we, if you want to call it. Uh, you know, you have different ways that you can build your workshop and your machines. Uh, the art, I really like it. The components are great. The only thing about the art is that weird mouth and kind of disgusting mouth that you have on the middle of the board. But once you start to play cards after the first turn over there on top of that mouth, then everything looks very cool. <laughs> so it was a game that it can take a little while to play, but I really enjoy it. I played uh, a few times this year. Uh, there, it doesn't have a solo mode. There's an unofficial solo mode that I haven't tried, but Imaginarium definitely fall on my honorable mention. And also the other game that has an honorable mention is Teotihuacan City of Gods. Uh, also by boards and dice. The Tiwakan is, a, I would call it an euro as well. You're playing with dice. You're trying to take different paths in order to get more uh, victory points. You're traveling to different temples. You can die just like in the, in the you know, pre-Hispanic culture. And though when you, once you die, you go to a dead track or the Valley of the Dead, just like in the real Teotihuacan in Mexico City. And then you're getting points, you're getting bonus. Uh, your main resource of the game is uh, cacao or cocoa. And because that was the main resource back in the day on the pre-Hispanic uh, cultures on Teotihuacan. So it's a fantastic game. I think it didn't fall on the list just because I haven't played enough, but it's definitely on my honorable mentions. So now that we have my honorable mentions, we have everybody's honorable mentions. Let's jump before the number one. Let's jump to the downside of the board games or the bad side of the board games, which is the shame list. And I want to start with you, my friend Caleb. Give me your shame list right now before we jump. In happiness, we are number ones. Yeah, just to point out the shameless, at least the way I took it, is these are not games that I think are bad or yeah. that I hated. These are just games where the disconnect between how much I thought I would enjoy the game uh, the expectations. and how much I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, so yeah. You know, a, a game that you think is going to be an amazing favorite game of all time, but you really just actually really, really like it could, you know, there's still a, a you know, a delta there. So uh, yeah. that's sort of the way I, I look at these. So the two on my list, number one is uh, Reavers of Midgard, which we started to talk about earlier. That was the game that I heard about at Origins. I don't know what's I, wrong with you. <laughs> I ran for it at, uh, at Gen Con. That was the first game I got. Um, I've played it now, I think three times. So I, you know, I have a solid opinion of it. I don't hate the game by any means. But it is overly long for uh, sort of what it is, and it loses a lot of things I love about Champions of Midgard. Um, you know, as I mentioned with other, you know, I, I have some Euros on my list, and you know, I, I definitely can do without the luck uh, as far as game mechanics go. But Reavers just tends to lose just a little something uh, for people who haven't played it. You basically have it's a worker placement game with one worker. You will place that worker. Uh, I forget how many rounds it is, but you know, six four, five, rounds. Six rounds, okay. Yeah. So you're gonna place that worker six times, and that is the game. But the clever twist is that when everyone else places their worker, you will also also get to do an action at that location. You will just get a lesser version of the action. So there's still a lot of decisions to be made throughout the game, um, but it just didn't it didn't 
hit the way I thought it would. Champions of Midgard is one of the first big games I ever bought uh, a few years ago at Gen Con, and uh, it, I just played it so much. I was expecting so much, and uh, I, I would probably rank this game at, as like a three out of five. So I like it. I would play it again, but I would never be the person who wants to uh, you know, bring it to the table. Now, I have a question for you. Since this, since this one was on my list, uh, my competitive list actually was my number five. Let's imagine in an alternate universe that Champions doesn't exist and Rivers is there. Would you, your opinion would, for Rivers, would, would it be the same or you think it would be different then? So the opinion of the game, I would still rank it a three out of five. I think that I, I probably wouldn't have played the game three times trying to make myself like it more than the three out of five. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't have that disappointment factor of thinking it was going to be a five out of five for me. So uh, yeah, I think I think I've got a solid view of what what I how the game interacts with my likes and dislikes. So yeah, I think it would be the same either way. Okay. So do you have any other uh, on, any other ones on the champ list? Yeah, the other one would be uh, a game that you talked about before, um, uh, Unbroken on this podcast. So this yeah. is a game from Kickstarter. It's a solo only game. When I heard about it, uh, I think I heard Artem on a different podcast, who's the designer of this game, and I was going to support it, you know, basically <laughs> just because it was uh, a solo-only game that looked like he had done a lot of thinking and uh, he hadn't thrown it together. He had thought a lot of things through, um, so I was curious to see it. Um, obviously, they had a lot of Kickstarter um, issues. That didn't really affect me as much because it wasn't like I was sitting there pining to have to have this game, so the delays and things were fine. Uh, once I got the game, I tried the game out, and I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was, uh, you know, anything totally amazing. So again, I would probably rank it as, you know, a three out of five. Uh, I'll probably keep in the collection, give it a few more tries because it is uh, filling that solo only niche. But uh, yeah, it was just an okay game, not uh, what I was hoping for when I first heard uh, that the game was going to be in production. Actually, because of you, I jumped in Kickstarters, my friend. So it's your fault, and that was the first Kickstarter that I back on broken. Uh, and it, it didn't fall on my shame list. I definitely haven't played like I had. I had the episode of Unbroken. I played a few times, but I I play more the version of the print and play, which is basically the same. Your the components are different. Um, but you know, I just I guess all the hype that it was involved and all the 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 stuff about the Kickstarter and and everything uh, really makes me wanted to love the game. But at the same time, it was kind of hard. So it's understandable, and I and I can see why the game is on your shame list. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was Unbroken by Artem Safarov and by Golden Bell Studios, which now, by the way, there's a lot of controversy on Golden Bell Studios. But anyway, let's, let's leave that on the side. Um, Jonathan, your shame list, my friend. Bring it on. So I just have a couple. Um, probably my biggest one on this list is the game Ghost Stories, which has now been... Um, uh, reprinted with um, a different theme, so we'll the see last that bastion is called. That's what yes. it's called. Right now. Um, the last bastion by Antoine Bowser, right? I think it's called. It is the designer. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this is one that I've heard about, you know, on, on various podcasts from almost the beginning, from when I got into, um, you know, these these types of board games, um, about being very challenging, how great of a game it is, and um, it definitely was very challenging. Um, the theme is that you are um, these monks trying to stop the um, ghost spirits from basically overtaking um, the temple and the board. Um, but for as much as it seems like there's going on, um, there's not as much of a game there. I, I thought 
there would definitely be more of the theme in the game besides, you know, just having the different ghost cards come up and having their different abilities. I thought there'd be more um, immersion into that theme, but it almost reminded me of playing um, like Forbidden Island where you're going through and the different events come up and you flip over tiles. You're trying to go back and save these tiles um, from sinking. Um, that's, you know, more of a simplified version, but I kind of get the same feel from ghost stories where each player is just trying to manage those ghosts, you're trying to stop them from um, reaching these tiles and, and causing them to flip so you, you lose access to these abilities. But um, beyond that, it's it's really just like a, a, a more difficult version of one of those games. And I feel like if I wanted to play something like that, I really would just play Forbidden Island or Forbidden Desert. Um, it's a lot quicker and... Um, you know, I'd rather just play that kind of game as a filler game and move on to something a little bit more, I guess, strategically complex that we usually play. So I, this is one that I've been looking forward to for a long time, and it just didn't meet that expectation from what I had heard. I, th- I think it's, you know, would be more of um, an early game to play if, if you didn't play one of those, you know, forbidden series of games um, where you're trying to manage whatever the, the, the catastrophe is. Um, just with a different theme. So so we'll see, um, you know, if the new version changes anything. Um, hopefully it is a little bit more of a game to it, a little bit more substance with a the theme. Um, but yeah, that was one that I just, you know, had so much hope for that was just kind of a very mediocre game. Um, I think you guys had the same feeling when we played it. It kind of just kept going yeah, on too long. Yeah. To be yeah, over and play something else. So. Unfortunately, I was expecting more of the game, especially because I wanted to try a new version of The Last Bastion. Um, but you know, I mean, I haven't tried the newest version. I don't know if they changed some of the rules or anything like that, but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as I probably wanted to, since the theme is something that I really like. And I think Caleb, it was kind of the same for you, right? Over there. Yeah, I would say that. I, I didn't have all the expectations going into it. I had just heard, Hey, it's a famous cooperative game. It's got high difficulty. So, uh, it didn't hit my shameless because I didn't have expectations going in, but certainly we played it the one time and that was uh, enough for me. Not a bad game, but nothing I need to revisit. Yeah. Okay, now going to my shameless, I'm kind of in the same situation here. This is a game that I played only one time. Um, I don't feel like I want to play it again, uh, you know, and probably because I was expecting more of the game, I didn't get that feeling. Uh, even if the name tells you the mechanic, for some reason I was thinking different, um, but yeah, it's just... It's, it's not that it's a bad game. I mean, I, I can see why a lot of people like it and probably the majority of the people love it, but it just wasn't for me. And I'm talking about role player. That would be my number three on the shame list. I know, uh, you know, I play with you, Caleb. I know it's a game that you really enjoy. I think, Jonathan, you enjoy it as well. But if I had to play something different or I'm sorry, something something similar, and if I can compare the game with other games, would be with Sagrada. And I think I prefer... Uh, Sagrada better than role player. I don't think role player is a bad game. It's only that I was expecting like a huge, bigger level of excitement of the immersiveness and epicness, and it's not what it is. It's more like a puzzle game, and you know, trying to play with your dice to get them to different numbers to trigger different skills and ability according to the game. But um, yeah, that will be on my number three on, on the shameless role player. Uh, also, another one that I think you guys will agree with me that is it needs to be on the shameless. And I wanted to love the game, but it's it's just another piece on my collections of DC and Batman stuff. And I'm talking about DC, uh, the Super Friends, the card game. That's what they call the card game, which, yeah, it's a card game, but it's nothing like a deck building game or anything like that. No, it's more like a, what do you call it? Like a bluffing game or like a, 
like beating game or some sort of that. And, uh, you know, it's basically, if you put it in comparison with the other games that are out there, like Campy Creatures from Key Master game or the Walking Dead game, even the one that is designed by Dirk von Hauser um, by, and by Skybound, published by Skybound Games, um, it's those are way better than the DC, the Super Friends. And I think you guys got the same impressions when you played with with me here at my at my place, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess you kind of get that same expectation. Like, like if you were to go back now and like if, if you wanted to watch that TV show, expecting yeah. it to be like even like the Justice League cartoon that that caliber, and then you watch it and it's just kind of kind of a corny. <laughs> yeah, you, you better you better TV stay show. with the memories. Yeah, like it was cool. Yeah, back it, it's kind of, it's kind of like that where it's like. You know, expecting it to be like even like a modern DC cartoon going back and it's like you're not anywhere close. You know, you, you think that's going to be like any of the more recent DC games and it's not. Caleb, you didn't like the game as well. Yeah, I didn't like it. This is one of those games where even if you like the random fun of it, there's I can think of four or five other games that do the same mechanic, but just do it way better. And it doesn't. Yeah. Besides having pictures of Batman. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing this game brings to the table that those other games don't beat it on. And you know, I wanted to love the game because of the theme. You know me that you know big DC, but it's just it's so bad. I mean, it's a <laughs> it's it's. I mean, if you put it in comparison, probably if it was the only game with that mechanic, they would be like, oh yeah, you know, something cool, whatever. But just because, like you mentioned, Caleb, there's other games over there that have this kind of the same mechanics, but way better implementation. Um, that's probably why. The game, it is what it is, and it falls on my number two. On the shame list, my number one, Caleb. This is a game, Caleb, that you and I, we were very excited about it. Uh, probably you have a different impression than me. Uh, but the hype was all around. Everybody was super hype. And everybody was, oh, we need to back this game because it's going to be out of stock and you won't be able to find it anywhere. And it's going to be like uh, three times the price on eBay. And it's going to be crazy to find and it's going to be the must have and the most great and this and that and it wasn't for me it's a cool game i enjoy it it wasn't for me now i know some of some of you out there you're a huge huge fans of this publisher which for me honestly i'm not i mean I'm, it's the same as any other publisher but my expectations for the game were like super high super high because the same publisher has another game that i really love that isn't my favorite of all time which is Scythe. And the game that I'm talking about right now, probably you guess already, is Tapestry. It's not a bad game, but I was expecting something even better than Side or something at the level, same level of Side. And the theme is not there. It's, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, I mean, the different actions that you have. I can see why some people call it that it's unbalanced. Even if I play some games and they're not crazy unbalanced or they don't seem to be crazy unbalanced. A lot of people are complaining about the, the unbalanced part of the game, and especially the theme that you can put any theme on the game and it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I was expecting way more of Tapestry. Caleb, Tapestry, I want to hear your thoughts since it's on my number one shame list. Now, once again, I'm not saying it's a bad game. It's just I was expecting more. Yeah, I think this one didn't make my shame list because it, it was maybe a little bit under my expectations, but uh, when I first heard about this, I remember we were at Dave and Buster's, and I was like, "Yeah, I back this game." And I think at first you were like, "No, I'm not going to back it," and then you sort of the hype train. Yeah, I went, I jumped in. I mean, I was a victim of the of the wagon, you know. I just jumped in. Sure, yeah, I think yeah. I, I love. You know, I'm a big fan of Jamie Stegmeier. He's one of those people who I really appreciate, e even outside of the board game design and publishing. 
just uh, his YouTube videos and how open he is with his fans and uh, the different ideas he has to engage his fans and just to be a positive uh, force in the, the gaming industry. So I'm a big fan of his um, and, uh, you know, I, I support most of the things he's going to come out with. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess this one I would rank it, you know, probably as like a 3.5 for me. Um, definitely one I've played maybe four or five times since we've got it. Uh, I'll keep it in my collection, but it's not going to be a top game. But it's nice to pull out every once in a while, and it is an easy game to play uh, rules-wise. So you can t get somebody up and running on this game uh, pretty quickly. So I guess I wasn't disappointed because I didn't have as high of expectations, but I think we landed about the same spot on the enjoyment of the game. Yeah, I did, but just comparing it to, like I said, Side, I mean, which it's crazy because Side is such a good game, and I think we all agree with that. But, um, but yeah, that's uh, Tapestry, and that's the only reason why I put it there. Most, most because of the hype that it was, that the game because the game is good don't get me wrong i mean the game is fine you know but i don't feel like like i mean how to put it put it this way the mechanics are good you have fun i had fun but i was expecting way more but anyway that was my number one on the on the shameless tapestry and now that we talk about the shameless let's talk about the good news the number one for each one of us of this year um so it's been a while, man. Like, I, I feel like you guys, the last time that you were here with me on the podcast was probably back in February or March. Uh, so you just you just are in the important episode. So so that, I'm, I'm happy that you have you both of, of you here with me. And after that being said, let's start with our number ones. Let's start with you, Jonathan, uh, with your competitive and then your cooperative. Sure. So my number one competitive was a game that Caleb had talked about before. I sounded right up my alley, and um, I finally got a copy of Gizmos. Um, this was one, um, and it's funny you mentioned Imaginarium earlier, Derek, but um, they're very similar, I think, because you're building up this engine of cards that you're acquiring to give you effects throughout the game. But Gizmos makes it, I guess, more simplified, and it's a, a lot quicker of a game. Basically, what you're doing is um, you have marbles, um, kind of like if you play Potion Expo Explosion, you know, marble similar to that. Um, but you have different actions that you can do on your turn, and you're using these marbles to build up your engine. So you can either do it where you can um, search through cards to get better cards for your engine. You can get cards where you convert, can convert, you know, marbles of one color to another color um, to use them more efficiently. Um, you can do other things where you just automatically get victory points when you buy certain cards. Um, but it, the whole game takes about half an hour to 45 minutes, even when you play with three or four players. Um, and every time is different. You can do different strategies and, and find different combos, but it's a, a quick little engine builder game. And it's really easy to learn, I think, once you start playing for a couple of turns, learning what the different actions are and, and how to um, align your cards to get multiple actions per turn. Um, I, I think it's one that even a newer a board game person could pick up pretty quickly. Okay, then I will stop you right now there. And then, because we have the same game, so that's why. And that way we can all discuss and debate. That was your number two competitive. Caleb, our number two competitive is the same. I will let you say the name. I will let you explain the game. And then we will talk about it, and I will put my comments there. So what is your number two competitive game? I'm sorry, your number one, your number one. What I'm thinking, your number one competitive game. Caleb? Oh, sorry, I think I was on mute. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, my number one uh, competitive game was a game called Western Legends. Uh, I saw this a couple years ago at Gen Con. I'd never heard yep. of it. Saw the components. And I thought, oh, man, maybe I'll get this as sort of a splurge purchase. 
but I think it was over $100 for the Kickstarter edition. I thought, well, I'll go home and I'll research it. Uh, and I did. And I, I instantly regretted not picking it up at, at Gen Con and uh, you know, tried to pick it up throughout that next year and couldn't find it available anywhere. And then finally at last year's Gen Con, I was able to pick this up and uh, it really lived up to the hype. It's uh, a game. It, it feels like uh, Red Dead Redemption, the board game, I guess is a good way of describing it. Yeah, perfect way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very open. You can just do whatever you want, uh, all, all within you know similar mechanics of playing cards. Uh, the cards are actually uh, standard poker cards, and you can use the cards again. I like this multi-purpose um, use, using of cards, so you can use it to fight, in which case you want high cards. You can use it for special abilities, in which case maybe lower cards are more powerful. You can use it to play poker uh, uh, to, to win money and points. Uh, and basically, you're just doing all the legendary things a legendary cowboy would do. Uh, and it, it, you just get to do everything you want. So you can rob people and uh, be a good guy or a bad guy. Uh, it's just completely open world, but yet not that difficult to describe to people. I played it with people who don't have as much experience in gaming. And uh, certainly in the beginning, they were overwhelmed. But the theme sort of carried them through. And by the end, they really enjoyed the experience so uh western legends is my number one competitive game uh, this year. and actually i'm gonna i'm gonna jump here because that's my number one competitive game as well and i want to tell you this back on django 2019 caleb got a copy and i saw him playing it on a, on a after django hours on you know by my side i was playing another game with some friends and caleb was playing that game i think with your well, some of your family members and jonathan i think you were there i don't remember if you were there jonathan uh but anyway you were playing Caleb, and I was like, hmm, I mean, that looks interesting, but that was it. Then we played at your house, right? And after we played around, I remember asking you, Caleb, can you play solo? And you just pulled up the unofficial solo mode that you print off. And right away, even, even I mean, that played a huge part, I'm not going to lie to you, but the game, I like it a lot. I like the fun that we were having after the first round on your house that you remember, I went right away and bought it through Amazon, like right away, boom, there it is. Uh, and you know, I like the game, I love the game. It's also on my on my uh, number one competitive game. I haven't tried the solo mode yet, but honestly, I feel like I feel like this game should be played competitive because it's the way that is was meant to be, and it's the way that you will have more fun of it. Because, like Caleb said, you can play poker, you can go to the cabaret, and you know, spend money on illicit stuff, and you know. Get rewards, and or you can go and try to get the bad guys if you're the good guy. Or you can try to be the bad guy and rob the bank and do all those stuff and do a heist or whatever. So it's basically like a sandbox. You can do whatever you describe it very well, Caleb, with a Red Dead Redemption board game, basically. Uh, it's a fantastic game. The components are great. I'm looking forward for the expansions, the Antioch expansion, which actually adds the train there, the, the miniature of the train, and you can jump into the train, I think, and then you can follow in different places and do more stuff so it's a fantastic game if you like western if you like uh i would i would i would put it an immersive but easy game to play this is it don't look any further for i'm sorry this is western legends and it's also my number one competitive now guys i will jump into my number one of cooperative because then you guys number one is the same as my number two so in that way we can all discuss about it but my number one cooperative game of this year it's Lord of the Rings Journeys to the Middle uh, Journeys in the Middle. I'm sorry, published by Fantasy Flight. I am in love with this game. It's basically Mansions of Madness or Imperial Assault with the new app implementation, but with the Lord of the Rings theme. It's a fantastic has a fantastic campaign mode. 
where the app is telling you basically playing as the DM, like in Mansions of Madness. And it's about adventure. It's about fighting monsters or, or, or you know, orcs in this case. Um, try to resolve different quests and missions and adventures. Now they just implement the mode that you can play just a single adventure in case you don't want to play the whole campaign. You can get perks in your uh, characters with your favorite characters from the Lord of the Rings arc or from the Tolkien arc, better said, because it's nothing based on the movies. It's only about the books. Um, you know, you can improve them and they can be very powerful. At the beginning, it will be hard, but then they're going to be learning experience and lore. And it's it's a great game. I highly recommend it for every solo player game out there. That's Lord of the Rings. There's one expansion already out for the game that add more scenarios. There's also an expansion coming out coming out at the beginning of 2020, which it will add more scenarios. The miniatures are very good quality, very nice. The only difference that has this game between uh, the you know Lord of the Rings and the Imperial Assault and the Mansions of Madness is that you don't have any dice on the game. So basically, you have a deck of cards that you're going to be flipping in order to get success. So you have your face-down deck of 20 cards, and it will tell you, well, test this skill, uh, you know, I don't know, um, uh, you know, agility. All right, and your agility on your character is three. So that means that you're going to flip up uh, three cards from the face, from your face-down deck, and they will have either success symbols or, or um, inspiration symbols that is basically like a focus that you can turn on a token to make it a success. And that's how it is now. As you as you progressing in the game, you're getting be better skills, which is better cards. So you're gonna be that you wanna have, be having that aspect of a deck building as well in the game. It's a fantastic game. It's a great game. Uh, you know, I'm painting, finishing painting all the miniatures. I got some uh, fancy components and trays from Etsy. You know, just to improve the visualizing aspect of the game on the table. I'm in love, and I definitely recommend you. For me, it's a five out of five, and that's very hard to find. But this is Lord of the Rings. Uh, the uh, Journeys in the Middle Earth from by Fantasy Flight, get it. I mean, you, you won't regret. I got the game without playing it. I just got it because I love the theme and I love Mansions of Madness and I love Imperial Assault. And this one, oh man, oh man, it's, it's so great. I wish the Imperial Assault would have this, they could be on this game exactly, just with the theme of Star Wars. I would love it as well. But Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite themes as well. I really enjoy it. I highly recommend it. For solo or cooperative gamers, this is Lord of the Rings Journeys in the Middle Earth. So after that, now let's jump to you guys with your number one, which is my number two, which you already know, that is Marvel Champions, the LCG. So I want to start with you, Jonathan. Tell me more about Marvel Champions. So this was one that um, we all saw at Gen Con this year. Um, and I think it was one that we walked by. And I got to demo this with Caleb, and we both kind of walked out of this, and um, it ended up being probably our top anticipated game for when it was going to come out later this year. Um, and I think some of the best things about it, if, especially if you've played some of the other LCGs from Fantasy Flight, like Arkham Horror, which we all have, um, this game takes a lot of the same things there. It adds the Marvel theme, but it streamlines a lot of that. Um, and for me, not being a much of a solo player, this is one that you know I've mostly played solo. Um, but what you get to do is you get a hero. You have your set deck of cards for that hero. Um, you get another deck um, that has um, a different attribute. So you can have leadership. You can do protection. Um, there's a variety of things you can do that you can mix and match with your hero. And then there's some other basic cards that you can add into the deck as well. Um, so it does have that similar thing of their other LCGs where you can customize your deck. 
And then what you do is you play against the villain deck, which you can also customize. You get, um, you know, if you're fighting Rhino, you get his cards, but then you can pick the scenario that he's in. And then if you're doing standard mode or expert mode. So even if you play the same villain over and over again, you can change out the cards and it can be a different game each time with a different hero. Um, but they've made the mechanics very simple to, to play through. Um, and it's, it's even cool how you can switch between your alter ego and have different abilities, or you can switch to your superhero and have different abilities um, for fighting the villains or to, to thwart their schemes when you're the, um, you know, in your, just in your regular human alter ego. So there's definitely good enough strategy in there, but not being overcomplicated by, you know, a huge book or anything that's, that's too complex to learn. Yeah, and actually, I mentioned it earlier. Like, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of Marvel here. I mean, to be honest with you, but just because of the game, I'm I'm watching now the all the MCU, and you know, I'm I'm getting more excited about the characters, and I reading some comics, and I mean, it's it's just uh, the game is great. I mean, it's it, it was there for me, put it on the first place as well, probably just because of the theme that I prefer Lord of the Rings. That's why it took over a little bit. The game is fantastic. You you, you describe it very well, Jonathan. Uh, it's a better implementation or a different, better and different implementation of Arkham Horror. Uh, some people they call like um if they if Arkham Horror and Lord of the Rings they had a cute white baby <laughs> with blue eyes and there is Marvel Champions. Uh, you know it's it's great. I mean the the art on the cards is fantastic. Uh, you can customize your decks. You can play them as the instructions. There is more expansions. There's gonna be a monthly expansion, of course. Is Fantasy Flight, so they want to. They're gonna make sure to make a lot of profit of the game or the product. Uh, you also have the. They're gonna be events on the stores. Fully cooperative game, fully solo game, and it's fantastic. Now I'm pretty sure for you guys, both of you, especially you, Caleb, since you're since you're a huge fan of Marvel, I mean this game. I, I can see why it's in your number one, and I think you said something during the year that it was your most anticipated game. That you were never more excited about the release of the game like you did with Marvel Champions, right? Yeah, when at Gen Con, uh, I wasn't there live, but I watched the, uh, the, the live stream of Fantasy Flight's announcement uh, event. And I mean, honestly, if you would have sat me down the day before and said, all right, what do you want them to announce? Which IP? Obviously, it would have been Marvel for me. If you said, which game type you know, of games that they have would you like? Uh, I would have definitely said, like, oh, maybe something like Arkham Horror, or something that's solo, but I could also play cooperative something that's expandable uh and then sure enough that's exactly what they announced so it checked all the boxes for me but i was a little worried because i haven't gotten too deep into lcgs in the past i played arkham uh lcg and i i own the base box and one expansion but i didn't think you know oh I'll, I'll need all of them uh but already with marvel champions it's just one of the most streamlined uh, games i've played of that weight there's so much uh to do, every deck feels different. You really do feel like a superhero as you're playing it. Uh, the decks are all themed very well, at least so far, around their uh, different Marvel characters. So, you know, if you're if you're Captain Marvel, you're you're building up energy for big uh, turns of damage. Uh, I really like the way Iron Man starts off weak, but he you know really gets going after you yeah. build his armor. I mean, yeah. so far it just <laughs> just so, it's so, so great. So good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really really good. Uh, you, and, and even. You, I mean, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, like, even like for me that not only I wasn't a Marvel fan, I will tell you how, how good is the game. Not only I wasn't a Marvel fan, you probably know that my least favorite character was Iron Man. 
Well, I can sure. tell you that my favorite character, because of what you mentioned right now, you described it very well. My favorite character to play with is Iron Man. It's fantastic how you're building that your armor and your suit and everything. And suddenly from being a, you know, a weak uh, player or a weak character in the game, now you are the powerful guy and you can do a lot of damage. And it's very hard for the bad guy to do you damage because you increase your your uh, your health points like crazy. So, I mean, just, uh, you know, you know, okay, let me keep going. I mean, I think you will agree with me. Who is your favorite character, by the way, to play with? Oh, man. I really like Black Panther. Uh, I really like Iron Man. It's definitely between those two characters. But there's not a bad character uh, in the base set, at least. And, uh, yeah, it's like the, the villains are, are cool. What's, one of the other things that's cool is that uh, it's thematic to the character you play. So if you choose Spider-Man, for example, um, you know things can come up because every player has uh, a card that goes into the villain deck. Um, that can be, oh, you know, Aunt May is sick or something. So yeah. you know, Peter Parker has <laughs> got to attend to it. So uh, you just that mechanic of switching back and forth between your hero and the uh, alter ego is just so brilliant and so awesome. And uh, I, I'm, one of my favorite aspects of any game is I like theme and I like, uh, you know, the straightforwardness of a gameplay. So I don't, I don't mind if there's a lot of rules or if the rules are complex but I want them to be like efficient and streamlined. And this is about as efficient as stre and streamlined as it can get. Yeah, I think it's very easy. What is your favorite character, Jonathan? Um, I think so far um, I've enjoyed Spider-Man, um, but I've also been trying some of the characters I'm not as familiar with, like uh, She-Hulk and Captain Marvel. Um, and I've yeah. liked them as well. And I've been kind of surprised that, you know, I've played with them more as well. Um, probably the least... Um, played character so far as Black Panther, but I've tried to play at least one time with each one just to see how different they are, and I've enjoyed all of them, so um, I definitely want to play with all of them, but I'm also looking forward to Captain America, who's one of my favorites, and I think he's coming out either later this month or next month, so. Yeah. No, definitely, and one of the things that I really like from the game as well, like you mentioned, Caleb, is the obligations, that I feel like the obligations of each character definitely, definitely hype the theme even more. Uh, because like you say, now it's, it's thematic to one player. Or if you're playing three players, four players, it will be thematic for everyone. Now, I think you will agree with me that the player count on this game, it really has to be either three players or lower. I mean, I had experience with four-player game, and it's, uh, it takes a while, you know, to go around. So um, definitely, definitely, um, you know, the, the lower the player count, probably the more enjoyment. And it's not necessarily, but I think it's very close to that. But um, yeah, it's a fantastic game. And honestly, I think it will be a tie for me or pretty close to Lord of the Rings. And this was our number one of Solo BG podcast. I don't know if you guys have any other comment for our Marvel Champions LCG. No, that's it for me. Just a great game. Highly recommend at least trying it out. Yeah, yeah, at least trying it out for sure. Uh, so friends, thank you so much for being with me in the show. This was the last show of 2019. Once again, if this is the first time that you listen to the podcast, well, this is episode number 52. Episode 51 was the round one of the Tiny Epics from Gambling uh, Games. Then before that, episode 50 with Adam Smith rolling solo interview. And we have the Essence special. We have the GenCon special. We have more, more episodes that you can enjoy. Thank you so much for all the family of Solo BG podcasts that you have been you know, supporting all the way. Remember that you can follow us in our social media, Twitter, Twitter Facebook, Instagram, at Solo BG Podcast. Remember, this is a weekly episode, and once per month, we do a solo with friends, where we talk about a competitive game as well. And Caleb and Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. Any last wishes? Any any uh, new plans for the 2020? 
uh, you know, anything that you want to share before we say goodbye? Looking forward to more games. Yeah. Um, maybe go to a few more conventions. We'll see. Um, yeah. Just looking forward to what the next year has to offer. Yeah, that's true. And, and I'm, I'm expecting exactly the same. All the happiness for you, my friends. All the happiness for you, amazing listeners. Play more games. Have fun. Enjoy these holiday seasons with your family, with your friends, with your loved ones. Play some games. Why not? Enjoy, you know, the, the company more than the gifts. And, you know, have fun, all the fun in the world for all of you. This is a beautiful hobby. I have met a lot of friends through the hobby. This was a great year. Uh, 2020 is going to be even better. So thank you so much for listening. And like always, remember. For victory. Go tell your friends. Till next time or next year. See you through the speaker and at the tabletop. <laughs>